It's time for Talking Tauntauns! Your Star Wars source at AIPTcomics.com Hey, what's up everybody and welcome back to another episode of Talking Tauntauns, the official Star Wars podcast for AIPTcomics.com. I am JJ Travers and I'm joined this morning, as always, by Connor Christensen and this is normally where I say Jim Lane, but Jim is currently driving across the country, something ridiculous like 4,000 miles. I don't know exactly what it is, but he's driving from Utah to New York and then back again and then back again um, because his family is moving. So joining us today is our third chair, one of our favorite people, one of my good friends, Nicole Herview, AIPT, AIPT contributor, uh, has written for a lot of other great sites. And if you listen to our show, you're familiar with her. Welcome back, my friend. Hey, thanks for having me. That was such a warm welcome. Thanks, dude. Hey, we got to get out. Here. I like you a lot, and I like doing the podcast with you. Okay, wow. Likewise. Never said that to me on air, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> try, try not to be upset. That's fine. Maybe you should consider why. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you gonna squirt some? It's okay. I'll be all right. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, Nicole. It's good to have you here. Uh, was fourth time on yeah, the show? Yeah, I think it's the fourth time. I'm honored. Yeah, it should be pe- a hall of fame. The people know you. I think you now have. Uh, you actually might be our, our most frequent guest now. I love that. If that's true, I love that. Yeah, I think you, you, you get beat the, it. the uh, show logo tattooed right here now. Okay. Yeah, I yeah. can do that. We'll be sending you a, <laughs> a badge in the mail, and uh, <laughs> you're now invited to our monthly uh, our, our monthly dinners. We go to different Applebee's every month. We pick oh, a different one. You pick the worst city. possible restaurant chain. <laughs> I don't know what teleportation system you're using, but let me know. Uh, I can't believe, side note, I can't believe Applebee's is still around. Yeah, I was about to say that same thing. (laughs) The amount of salt in everything. Like, things that shouldn't have salt at Applebee's are salty, and I'm upset by it. There was one in my town, like, 10 or 15 years ago. It lasted, like, a year and then was gone, (laughs) and that's the last time I've ever been to one or, I think, seen one. Yeah, the last time I was in an Applebee's was in high school, and I distinctly remember getting a burger and pulling off the top bun to take out like a tomato or something, and seeing a very long and thick black strand of hair embedded into the cheese. No, mm-mm, I gotta go. I'd be like, uh, check please. <laughs> and and I said to myself, I say, I'm never coming back here. And then I pulled the piece of hair out and I ate the burger because it was very hard. <laughs> no, you didn't. Buddy. I, I looked at it. I was like, that's absolutely disgusting. I couldn't believe anyone would ever do this. Um, can I get ketchup for this, please? Oh. <laughs> Lord above. Yeah. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, we've taken it this far, so we might as well decide what chain would we eat at before we get into this discussion. Oh, if we, if we were to do a talking tauntauns monthly dinner, mm-hmm. I have been to pick a chain a and not like a... a year. So that that's a little rough. Um, I, you know, I'm like, what are restaurants? What are those? Um, that's a great question. Cheesecake Factory. I'm going to go Chili's because they got those top shelf margs. You're right. That's a good, but cheesecake. That's all I'm going to say is cheesecake. 
But also, yeah, I like chilies as well. I can I can deal with chilies. I'm gonna go with an island's uh, burgers and fries because I like a nice tropical setting. What did you just say to me? What is yeah, that? Yeah, what? I don't know. Islands might be a uh, West Coast shit. I was gonna say, oh, what is yeah. this West Coast shenanigans? What are yeah. we doing? You have to pick something nationwide, my friend. But then I'd probably go Chili's. I mean, let's, yeah. let's be honest. Chili's, it That's is. Fair. All right. <laughs> Maybe All right, we should guys. talk about Star Wars now. <laughs> Maybe we should. All right. So uh, on the docket today, we've got a pretty, pretty heavy High Republic show for you. We are going to be talking about the High Republic show episode number two, which dropped last week on YouTube, as well as uh, some High Republic comics. Number four for the High Republic uh, dropped this week. In addition to Star Wars, the High Republic Adventures, number three. But before we get into pretty much all things the High Republic, there's some toys to talk about. And man, they're cool. Your Tauntaun will freeze before you reach the first marker. Then I'll see you in hell. Hello, what have we here? So, we posted about this on AIPTComics.com. As you know, we're all from there. Uh, but on Friday, Hasbro Pulse 2021 Fan Fest Livestream revealed new figures for star wars so there's stuff from vintage there's black series there's just an assortment of stuff here so the vintage ones are cool it's the uh, old school kenner um action figures and they've been doing this for a little while now we've got luke from hoth with his lightsaber and you know i, I don't know is that a, a scarf uh, like head you know you, you know what i'm talking it's a, about it's a shawl it's something he's wearing over his head and face. So there's many names that that could be. We've got uh, Han Solo from Endor in his like camo trench coat. <laughs> uh, we've got Admiral Akbar from Return of the Jedi. We've got the Emperor's Royal Guard, uh, which we talked about, I think, a little bit last time, right, Connor? Not necessarily this figure, but we were talking about the Royal Guards last week. Yes, um, because they released the uh, Black Series uh, Legends. That's one. right. Crimson yeah. Empire. The Carnar uh, Jacks. Yes, I remember you had a lot of fun with that name last week. I hate, I hate that name so much. <laughs> There's a lot of those. A lot of gems. Uh, we've also got some video game uh, action figures. Heavy Battle Droid from Star Wars Battlefront 2. Uh, Shadow Stormtrooper from The Force Awakens. Scout Trooper from Jedi Fallen Order, and the Electro Staff Purge Trooper from Jedi Fallen Order. Those guys were pretty fun to fight. That's my favorite one. I need that staff right now. Um, Anton Merrick. So he's in um, Rogue One, the leader of Blue Squadron, who is pretty much completely wiped out, as we know, when the planet is mostly destroyed by the Death Star. And he was a general in the Rebel Alliance. Uh, dude's got a pretty dope-looking X-Wing fighter, but I'm not seeing a price here. Am I blind? This says the set will retail for $99.99. It says under Target that, exclusive. but I'm not. Okay, so that's a, a birthday uh, ask, and it doesn't look like there's any announcement. Um, oh, and the last bit of vintage collection news is that Hasbro is offering fans a chance to vote between five hard-to-find figures to be reissued in 2022. The choices are Starkiller... Vader's Apprentice from uh, what was the game, Connor? 
the Force Unleashed. That's right. Uh, Ahsoka Weequay, Republic Trooper from the Old Republic, and Imperial Assault Tank Driver. Oh, and there's pictures of them, too. So if you want to see the pictures of what I just uh, announced here that you can vote on, uh, go to AIPTcomics.com, click the Toys drop-down on the navigation menu, and you'll quickly find this. I'm probably going for Starkiller. I would see. I would vote... I would likely vote for a Star Killer, but I wish I would have voted for the weak way if instead of having him come with his rifle, they had him come with the drums he was playing. Yeah. During Chavez. <laughs> I mean, way cooler. <laughs> it's like uh, everybody has a gun. Like, give me his giant, um, whatever, well, doldrums. <laughs> That'd be so great. My lord. Yeah, I, I'd be voting for Ahsoka. Um, just because if Ahsoka's an option, that's the one I'm picking. I can't knock you for that. The only reason I'm not picking that um, is because there's tons of Ahsoka stuff already, and you're, Star you're Killer. Right. <laughs> Star Killer doesn't get much, and the yeah. Republic Trooper from the old Republic video game is really cool looking as well. Um, but Star Killer, um, it's just such a cool character, and Star oh, Killer, right. is, I, I should mention, is Legends as well. The 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 Republic Trooper from the old Republic is such a weird thing to me because it's first of all the old republic is no longer canon but is still going um it's like one of the few legends things that it like they're still updating the old republic mmo and it's still getting new content and everything so i'm always fuzzy i wish jim was here to tell us whether or not it's canon (laughs) but also like the the republic troopers look so similar to clone troopers but they're Mm -hmm. like they're not they're they're Mm -hmm. They're like they predate them by hundreds of years, so that's just a little uh, little shinfo about that figure. There's no point to that comment. <laughs> now the last bit of news here: um, Black Series, which everyone is always excited for. So these were previously revealed back in January as being in Hasbro's uh, development pipeline, but now they have uh, official prices and pre-order forms and release dates. So we got the King of Suave himself, Lando Calrissian. Uh, Ora Singh, as you know, uh, she was killed by Tobias Beckett and his antenna popping out of her head. Uh, the fall, t- Tobias Beckett did not kill her. The fall killed her. Tobias Beckett <laughs> just shot her. <laughs> Thank you for that. Semantics. <laughs> Um, tech from the Bad Batch. So they are a special group of stormtroopers. Uh, excuse me, clone troopers. Uh, the last time we saw them was in the final season of Clone Wars, uh, which ended uh, last year. But the Bad Batch is getting their own show, which I believe premieres on May the 4th. Correct. Yeah, I think her. Yeah. Yep, yep. And Tech, uh, as his name would suggest, uh, is the technician of the group, the the nerdy computer hacker guy. Uh, and then we have Zero from The Mandalorian, uh, Bounty Hunter. And then last but not least, my absolute favorite, which I'm trying not to spend money right now, but I don't know how I'm not going to pre-order this. Sasha Banks, a.k.a. Cosca Reeves from The Mandalorian. Just so looking cool. so badass in her Night Owl mandalorian armor yeah apparently the uh Costa Reeves figure sold out within like minutes <laughs> yeah yep. that's you what you can still pre-order it through target but on amazon it's gone yeah um she looks great i do 
So we're getting a. Fo- I'm. I'm. I'm going to assume we're. We're going to get the rest of the Bad Batch and Black Series form. Like I can't imagine they're oh, just yeah, going to give us tech. Not but you no, know like, they're no- going to tease it out. They're going to yeah. stretch it. But and yeah, then they'll come up with a, a package of all five of them, and then we'll all be like, "Why did I buy each individual one?" And it'll be fun. It'll be fun for all of us. I so mainly Hasbro. <laughs> yeah, they're mm-hmm. going to love it. Mm-hmm. I brought it up before. I have. Every time we talk about toys, I, I I get closer, I stray closer and closer to the light, and and almost become a toy collector. Because right now I only, aside from Legos, like I only have like two Star Wars toys. Um, but every time we talk about toys, I'm like, oh, that would be cool. Oh, I'd, I'd like that. Ooh, I should, you know, that'd be fun. So we got to stop doing this on the show because it's gonna kill my bank account, and I don't have shelf space. <laughs> yeah, if I wasn't moving and you know, um, purchasing a house, I'd probably be buying this in a second. But I think I'm having even more trouble resisting um, the Wedge Antilles helmet, which has yeah. also been announced. Um, it's if if you've they've done these before. They did a classic X-wing, uh, I think a Red Squadron one, and then they also did Poe Dameron's helmet from the Force Awakens. They're always a hundred bucks, and they're always so freaking cool. Yeah, I've been. I've been wanting to put together a a rebel pilot like cosplay because I've never cosplayed or anything, but like I really I, I for like years now I've been thinking like oh it'd be so cool to do and like a rebel pilot wouldn't be that intense or that costly and this might be the thing that pushes me over the edge to start putting it together because this helmet is so sweet. Yeah, I wouldn't blame like, you. It, this thing is awesome. It's so cool. Um. So yeah, they, these the Black Series figures are obviously what everybody like clamors about. But the Black Series, like um, I guess, lack of a better term, like props, the helmets and and the the blasters and like the sabers and stuff are are so unbelievably rad. So um, I was very happy to see this in the announcement, and uh, the, you know, I, there there's a decent chance I end up buying this. All right. Um, I don't want to talk about the the Grogu because it's creepy to me. <laughs> if you guys want to talk about it, we can. But it's nah, I got I got my Grogu. I'm done. I mean, we all love Baby Yodes, but there comes a point where it's like, how many different Baby Yoda toys can can y'all release? Yeah, I, I mean, I looked around my house the other day and I was like, how many Grogu's is too many Grogu's? Like, how? <laughs> where's the limit? And the answer is the limit does not exist, but it might be at this eating. <laughs> it might be the eating Grogu might be too many Grogu's. Like I literally have the, the bop it Grogu that like um, Pedro Pascal did the voice for the bop it Grogu. You don't know about this, do you? Yeah. No. <laughs> a bop it. It's just Grogu and it's like twist it and you twist his head, pull it and you pull his little, his little oh feet God. and you bop it and you hit him on the head and Pedro Pascal voiced it. And so Pedro Pascal tells me to do stuff. I'm going to do it. So I do very well on this puppet. Um, I have that. I have like a Grogu piggy bank. I have like that original like Grogu doll that like they sold uh, through the Disney store and like a few other places. And I got a lot hanging out around here. I don't need one that eats. Um, okay. One thing I did not realize reading the little uh, little tidbits of notes that uh, writer, former or recurring guest Nick Nafpiotis put in the article that he wrote about these toys. Um, this Baby Yoda 
will reach its arm up to you to be <gasps> held. Well, that I need. <laughs> and Damn that it. changes Damn my it. entire, yeah, that it changes my entire opinion on whether or not I want this. Like, oh, I'm sorry, it'll, it'll lean on me for support and, and, and nurturing. All right, I'll get it. I'll yeah, adopt that, him. That's a game changer. I'm not going to lie. That is a game changer. All right. I guess we should talk about the High Republic now. Okay. If you guys want to. I will say, before we dive into that, um, the uh, Star Wars Republic Commando was re-released on PlayStation 4 and Nintendo Switch this week. I have put, like, probably, like, six hours into it already and uh, never played it before. This is my first time playing it. Holds up surprisingly well. Um, some some wonky first-person shooter controls that were the... It, like, because this came out in 2005, so it's before they, like, really figured out how to do a good console first-person shooter. So, yeah, I had to play with controls, but uh, overall, it's a pretty fun game. They should make more games like this. I haven't played it in years, but I have very fond memories and plan to eventually um, pick it up. It's worth the time. It's good stuff. It makes me it makes me clamor for some sort of sequel or some sort of reimagining or reboot. Like, come on. All right. Time to talk to the High Republic. For over a thousand generations, the Jedi Knights were the guardians of peace and justice in the old Republic. So, we are going to get started with the High Republic, excuse me, the High Republic show. Uh, so, this is the second episode that dropped, uh, hosted by one of our favorite people in Star Wars, Christina Ariel. Uh, so this show, if you're not familiar with it already, you can find on the official Star Wars YouTube channel. And it basically, um, I think the timeline for release is around a month or so. But they basically give you uh, a look at the current timeline of the High Republic, what um, projects are actively in our hands, what's coming up check in with some of the um, creators. There's five writers that are primarily putting all of these books out, of course, with the support of a lot of other people. Um, there's creative and executives uh, from Lucasfilm. There's animated shorts, previews. It's really cool if you haven't seen it already. And they're about 20 to 30 minutes long. And I can't recommend them en enough. Um, so yeah, we're going to talk about... Uh, episode two today and nicole th uh you this was your first time seeing uh the show today and you watched both episodes together right correct that's correct i i just have so much on youtube to watch all the time that if i'm not subscribed to it i don't see it and i just wasn't subscribed to the star wars youtube for some darn reason that i don't understand how that flew under my radar but yeah so i i was able to watch both of them uh this morning actually and, and uh, was, Christina uh... is incredible. That was that was my first takeaway. Like she is <laughs> so good at her job. Go ahead. What were you gonna say to me? <laughs> oh, I was gonna ask what your kind of initial takeaway was, but I I also am a huge fan of Christina, so that's a good initial takeaway to start with. I, I yeah. think she does such a nice job, uh, dropping in you know humor, asking the questions, and just like helping the show flow. I I think she's she was a great choice for this role. Absolutely. There's. Uh, a recurring joke she uses that I 
kind of want to steal because she says when I, I thought I was on the wrong video because the video starts. She said, welcome back to the first ever. And I was like, oh, I'm on the first one. But she keeps she, and I hope she keeps doing it every episode. She goes, the first ever second episode. Yeah, that's yes. really good. <laughs> that's really good. And I was like, damn, that's that's pretty funny. I should have thought of that. That's I like that. Um, yeah. No, she is uh, like the perfect host. So uh, the show started today with a check-in, and they decided to focus on Into the Dark, a Star Wars book from Claudia Gray that we've uh, reviewed on the show. Uh, Jim wrote a great review for it on AIPTcomics.com. I'm trying to think. Let me just check really quick when this came out. This year? Yeah, definitely this year. I feel like it was a week ago. It was... In February, on February second. So, oh, the book that would that would be good. If I knew what we were talking about. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. Yeah, so, um, this is a book. Uh, they kind of give us the recap about um, how you know there's Nile, there's the plant creatures, the Drangir, um, and there's Comac, uh, Vitus, and Orla Jirani. Uh, the Jedi Wayseeker, and they kind of give you a little spiel about that. What um, stuck out to this for me was there was no mention of Wreath during this, and then later when Claudia Gray was talking about the book she wrote, there was also no mention of Wreath there. It was more focused on Comac and Orla, which makes me think that that's uh, purposeful and we're going to be seeing some content focused on the two of them on the horizon. Mm-hmm. They yeah. did talk about him very briefly and that he exists in a few other properties, but they didn't go into like his character and what he's about and what his deal is, at least too much. Yeah, it just super it was a little weird because it's like, well, he's the main character of the yeah. book, like undoubtedly the protagonist of the book. They also didn't mention, um, oh, here I go with not remembering character names. They didn't mention the uh, Nile girl who wreathed Nan. Nan, thank you. And they didn't mention the other Jedi who nearly died at the hands of the Drengear. What was his name? Um, you ask good questions. <laughs> was this on on that chip? Oh, no. oh, Des Rydan. Thank you, Des Rydan. Yeah. Um, but what I will say is the most shocking revelation for me is that my mental image of Comac Vitus, first of all, is apparently not Comac Vitus. It's Vitus. Who would have thunk? Um, but my mental image of what he looks like could not have been more off. They like showed the concept art and I was like, oh, oh, that's not at all what I in my mind. I had like a more normal looking version of Hagrid as like what he looked like to me. This like really burly, like, you know, just rock solid dude. And then we 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 see the concept art and I'm not like hating. I I. I'm not saying it was bad. It just was very different. You get the concept art, and it looks like a long-haired Riz Ahmed if he grew a beard. Um, and it was just very sh- like v- a huge difference from what I had in my head. That's kind of um, – I-, I feel like that happens with so many stories and books I read, especially fantasy. When you finally see an artist's depiction of the character, you're like, that's not what my mind created yeah. for myself. But I think it's so interesting – uh, to have, and we're not going to do that today, but to have that discussion to, with people to like talk about like what does your mind's eye create for you when you see these characters that there is no visual depiction of. But it was really nice to get the 
you know, because we, we I still remember Into the Dark pretty well, but um, obviously not all the characters. But it was cool to get like the the quick like animated little recap of it, um, and to like you know get a better sense of what the station looked like. Which I will say that the my mental imagination of the station was what they was pretty close to what they showed. So I was like, okay, at least I got that right. Um, but no, the little animated recap they did to start the episode, I that is awesome. Like they should just do that every week. Like as a like, hey, here's what happened in the High Republic this week. Because um, yep. I thought that was a just really entertaining and b super super helpful because there is so much happening in the High Republic that I you know. I wouldn't blame anybody for like being like, Oh, I kind of forgot a couple things here and there. So very cool. Very helpful. Yeah, I agree. And I also love that they, they have these little two to three minute videos on like a few of the characters and what their deal is. And like, as someone who has a hard time visualizing these people, if I don't see art of them, I just have a hard time because like, there's so many options of what this person's face could look like that I'm like, it's blank. I got no idea. I have nothing in my head or I have to cast them as an actor or something like in my brain. Um, So that was extremely helpful because if the character's not on the cover art i don't know for sure what they look like you know so or in the comics i guess um so yeah those are really helpful as well and it it helps me keep track of the story because there's so much going on and so many people that we've never seen before in like any movie because obviously or show because this takes place very much before anything we've physically seen um yeah, it's been really helpful to. Go I love that those. they added the um, character connectivity matrix and the and the yes. High Republic timeline tool at the um, the bottom. If you go to starwars.com slash the High Republic, you can find them there. Uh, I I do hope those become like a little like more um, like I hope they become like you can interact mm-hmm. with them. Like if you go to the timeline and you click on something, it'll like link you or give you a little synopsis about like what that story is or the character. Um, but they just put it up, so I'm sure it's going to evolve. And uh, Michael Siglane said something that I was like, yes. Um, he is the um, creative director for Lucasfilm Publishing and kind of the head of the High Republic Initiative. But he said, you know, this is only the beginning. This is just the tip of the iceberg. And that's just so exciting to hear as a Star Wars fan that, like, they've already had a number of books out. They have two active ongoing comic series. And, like, we're just at the tip of the iceberg. Like, that's such a cool thing to be uh, hearing that as a Star Wars fan. And when you're experiencing content that has no canon to bounce off of it's all just brand new yeah well and if if i'm not mistaken they have hinted that the high republic is like a four to five year initiative um that this is going to be going on for quite a while and like right now they're just kind of like setting the stage of like it's weird to think that's like wait we're not even in like the main uh the main arc yet like because it feels like yeah the showdown between the nile and the jedi that's that's it but apparently it's like no that's just like we're setting the stage for what's coming Mm -hmm. um so i am i am very very excited and it's like the perfect time to get back into star wars books like that i got like i got back into star wars not even got back in because it's not like i was in it before like i got into star wars books because the high republic started Mm -hmm. um so I'm I'm very very happy that they're doing this, and it's something I hope they do more of, like these these big cross platform um, projects. Like obviously the most famous one is um, Shadows of the Empire, which was 
uh, you know, back in the nineties, but I want, I want Disney to do more of this um, and, and branch out more and, and, you know, just keep using every medium at your disposal, which don't be wrong. They've done a really good job of, but just what they've done lately is more like uh, disparate. And instead this, like the high Republic feels really like really tight and well-directed and it's, I'm loving it. Yeah, I agree. I I I love it being books and just a publishing initiative. I do. But part of me really wants at the end of this five-year journey of all these books and comics and, and all of that, you know, spanning different age groups and kind of genre a little bit. Like it's kind of spanning a lot. Of, it's hitting a lot of boxes. You know, it's just ticking a lot of boxes. I would love to see a one-off like Rogue One style movie about the High Republic. I would love that not a trilogy maybe just like one movie or like one-off tv show you know like a disney plus series just one series and we're done just tell me one story in live action with these people and i like i would just that'd be a cherry on top you know it's definitely not a must because like i said i i love it staying a publishing initiative but if it could branch out into other other mediums i uh, oh my god oh my I'm god you brought that up because I feel like it kind of be crazy with all these characters uh, and stories that if they didn't mm-hmm. bring it, you know, ac- across into that that medium, whether it's a live action film or an animated film or a series for either, I, I feel like that would uh, I would be kind of shocked if they didn't jump on that opportunity. Well, we do have uh, the Acolyte coming to Disney Plus, which. During Disney Investor Day, they had mentioned takes place at the end of the High Republic era. Mm-hmm. You're right. So we are getting a little bit. Um, I'm a little torn on it though because part of me agrees. Like, like, yeah, it'd be awesome to get so much of this in in live action, especially with how powerful the Jedi are. It's kind of like no holds barred. You can kind of really have them do whatever you want because it's been established like they're at the height of their power. But at the same time, for me, I'm thinking like, but I also like the idea of just keeping this relegated to publishing and having it be like pushing more people to the books and stuff, you know, instead of being like, oh, don't worry, you can you can eventually get it in a movie. Like, just be like, oh, no, you got to you got to not to be that person who's like, people should read more. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not being like a stodgy old man. I just think like, oh, no, like we should, you know, push people to the books and stuff. Like, there's a lot of like incredible work going on and a lot of really good um, canon building. I wish more people would experience. But um, I in no way, shape or form would be upset. I'd be the first one to go see a High Republic movie. Yeah, I was going to say you definitely want to see live action Buryaga. Come on, sir. Oh, of course. Don't lie to me. um yeah so swinging it back a little bit to the show um a couple of things that i was super excited about christina um confirmed for me and i was 99 percent sure about this but it's mark yon uh leading the nile raiders in the star wars high republic adventure series which is super cool to see him officially in the comic book we're going to talk about that comic book a little uh a little later um star wars the high republic comic book when she was talking about that also confirmed, and this is the first I've heard about this uh, officially. There's been plenty of hints, but the Drengear is a hive mind. So mm-hmm. they have, uh, to my knowledge, never said that. And there's a lot of things with how they behave and act that kind of lead you to that. But this is the first official time I've heard them actually confirm that. Yeah, same here. For, like, I pretty much inferred it. You know, it's it's you know, it's pretty much right there. But you still, in this world, 
in the Star Wars world, I mean, need confirmation of everything. Yes. Because if yeah, you're you assuming assume. anything, <laughs> you, you don't know what Star Wars is doing. If you're assuming anything, that's just not how this works. So yeah, it was nice to get confirmation um, that like we were reading it properly, you know? Um, like the reading comprehension is there, my friends, and we love that. Um, so yeah, I love getting that confirmation. I feel like uh, it's basically, and the comic book made me feel this way even more. Um, so I, I guess I'll have to tie that in a little bit here. I, I want to, obviously we'll talk about the full issue later, but they're basically like the Borg if the Borg were plants. Like I'm feeling <laughs> a huge, uh, huge inspiration from the Borg, especially with like, um, what they've done to certain characters and the fact that like the, uh, progenitor, like the original, they refer to uh, them as a female, which, again, if you're familiar with Star Trek at all and the Borg, there's a huge similarity there. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I thought that was super neat. Yeah, it's the Borg meets Aubrey, Audrey, too, from Little Shop of Horrors. That's what it is. <laughs> we reference Star Trek far too often for a Star Wars show. This is probably true. And I'm not picking on JJ. I did it like a couple weeks ago. I brought up a Star Trek reference. Uh, but anyway, really quickly, JJ, for, for the uninitiated, can you give a quick synopsis of what the Borg are? Sure. Uh, so they are a collective hive mind uh, consciousness. Um, and they don't have like really so much of a species. Uh, they assimilate and collect um, species from around the galaxy and basically uh, assimilate them into their collective consciousness and their hive mind and they just kind of look for civilizations um, that they can assimilate and kind of um, absorb all of their knowledge and their culture and, and meld it into like the collective of like the, the Borg um, society and the hive mind uh, that's the long of the short of it. They're really scary and uh, they're really dangerous um, and hard to defeat. And, and uh, I'm sure there's a million more things you could say about them. I'm not even the craziest Star Trek fan, but they were always one part of the Star Trek fandom that I was like a huge fan of. Yeah, there's something about that that's just internal dread, right? Like this idea of like, and we saw this in the book, just like this thing kind of creeping in through your nose and through your like just getting into your brain and you just like lose all sense of self that is probably the biggest like stomach dropped out of my body feeling reading a book i've had in a while you know well like when you die at the hands of the drengear it's it is like both the the like it's a physical death but it's also the death of like your ego and the death of you yeah, like, exactly. Of you in the 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 sense of like you you no longer have control over yourself, and that is terrible. You as an individual. Yeah. 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 And yeah. Uh, they're using your body for their evil nefarious deeds, or they'll just eat you because they yeah. think you're nothing but meat. <laughs> yeah. That meat, meat and feed meat. scared the. Li- There's something about just a monosyllabic, like repetitive phrase like word as this thing is just like being creepy as hell with its tendrils and i'm just i gotta go like i just like put it down i was like i have to leave the room for a moment this is very upsetting it it gave me the same feeling as like the alien series when a face hugger would just like attach and you'd be like well they're they're done that's it (laughs) this is over for them and it's just like what do you do and that's 
that's the panic inside of me just going off. Um, but yeah, very effective uh, villain for sure. I feel like if there's any uh, High Republic creatives listening to this episode, they're very pleased with your panic. I feel yeah, like I'm sure they are definitely what they were going for. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah. So uh, something else from this episode that I thought was cool, Michael Siglane again, is they were talking about, you know, with the well, he was talking about with the High Republic, the story comes first. And they had another a number of character archetypes that they liked and that the writing team put together. And then they gave those to Phil Noto, who, uh, if you listen to the show, you know, we're a huge fan of amazing artists. And they were just basically like, uh, Phil, just like riff on these ideas and, you know, give us some characters and some images of what this like inspires. And then he took that and created this kind of iconic landscape image that they used a bunch with the High Republic promoting it of all these Jedi standing shoulder to shoulder, holding like these unique looking lightsabers. And a lot of those characters, um, I don't think exist. They were just what he took from that initial, uh, bit of notes. So then he took that and gave it back to them. And they used those drawings to inspire them to further develop those characters. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was such an interesting process. Yeah. It's really that thing of, of artist and writer working together in tandem, which is, you know, the way comics kind of work best, right? Um, but yeah, I thought it was interesting for a series of novels as well to have that. Um, that kind of back and forth between an artist brain and a writer brain, because having worked with artists before, I know that they, we just work different, you know? beautifully creative um and there's so much that you can learn from each other so i i loved hearing about that process i thought it was such a unique way to do it and who better than phil noto right like who who better i couldn't tell you the legend the legend what i, what I love about what well i mean they talked about it in this episode is that lucasfilm really put the full might of their like concepting de department behind the High Republic, and I think that's why everything feels so fleshed out and alive, and just like very much settled because they put so much effort into like they talked to like the the uh, like the creative director of Lucasfilm was like heavily involved in getting all these concepts together and making sure everything fleshed, and they talked about how like they would combine like oh here's a mask we initially developed for one movie that we never used yeah and here's another mask that we developed for another movie and never used let's combine those two and then boom you got mark Yon rose uh mask so Jeff I, jeffrey uh thomas was the guy who spoke about that senior illustration manager for lucasfilm yeah so the fact that like they like i said they threw they they threw their whole concepting might behind this and it shows with with not just obviously like the cover art and all that stuff, but every time you look at character art or uh, or enemy art or or ship art or anything, it's like yeah, these all look like they're living, breathing things, and like they're very once you see them, they're very easy to imagine. Um, so I think that's part of what makes this succeed so much. So I'm glad they talked about it in this this episode of the the High Republic show because I think it speaks a lot to why this this has been so successful so far. Uh, yeah, it's. I'm so glad you brought that up. It's so cool to me that they went back and took uh, game uh, concept art from movies and games and 
other stories that never got used, has never seen the light of day, has been locked away in the vault, and used that as like springboards to inspire them and give them ideas, like, as you said, uh, Mark Yonro's helmet. And on the other side of, of that, um, they went to a person, Ian McKaig, who is super famous uh, as an illustrator and an artist, designed Darth Maul and Padme Amidala's looks, worked on all the prequels, worked on The Force Awakens. He's kind of a big deal. Obviously, um, you know, I love him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's my favorite. Oh, God. Uh, but yeah, he gave them a bunch of concept uh, drawings for like aliens and equipment and different species and yada yada. And then they use that to go and find artists that they could align with like the style that they wanted for those different things that they knew were going to be in the story. And that's just so cool that he- Ian McKaig might not be drawing anything, but he has like a, a big hand in why certain things exist. Mm-hmm. A consultant, if you will. Yeah. I did want to bring up about the show. Please. One thing that I I wasn't thrilled by, and if, you know, by chance the powers that be are listening, that, you know, would be nice. Um, I love having a lot of creators that might not be used to being on camera in the show. I just hate that it's so obviously scripted. Like any of the responses to the tweets, things like that, so obviously scripted and then they got someone who's not maybe not used to being on camera i don't know these people's lives but it seems like they're not used to being on camera to read and that was it as opposed oh, to um, just like you know the having the, at the end and even in the first episode towards the beginning there's a lot of like they're clearly interviewing someone or they're supposed to be like docu-series style interviewing someone but their responses are pre-written and uh they're reading and you could even see like their eyes off to the side, like clearly reading cue cards. And I'm like, could we just, you know, editing can do this, right? Like if you just have someone talk and actually talk about what their work is and what their experience is and what the concept is, you could edit that down if it's not perfect. Like, you know, I just, cause the first Q and A Twitter thing that they did in the first episode seemed great. Like it didn't seem scripted at all. If it was, it didn't seem that way, which I appreciated. But in the second one, um, it was very scripted. And I was very upset because the question specifically about, not very upset, I'm exaggerating, but I was like, eh, could have been better. Um, the specific question about the Nile looking like that, the, the group of raiders in Solo. Cloud Riders. Yeah, the, the Cloud Riders. I was like, that's them, right? And like, obviously not, because there's a lot of years in between. But I'm like, why do they look identical? And that was a question. And I feel like I didn't get the answer at all. Like, in any sense, did I get an answer? And it was scripted. And I still don't have an answer. And I was just like, come on, we could do a little better than this you know like when you look at what christine is doing and her level of work on this show and then you have something like that on the other side of it and i'm just like come on we could do better right like but that's my only criticism of it i think it's brilliant otherwise you know yeah i I think it's we touched on this when we first when we talked about the first episode last month um i think it's cool that it's like well we want to you know we want to give more people the spotlight and Mm -hmm. and show you more people who are involved but i absolutely agree with you and today or this episode, it was like you could see his eyes reading. Yep. <laughs> like, and it was like, oh, this is very clearly he's reading off a cue card in front of him. And it just, you know, I don't know. It takes away the uh, – it makes it feel less genuine 
It's it not authentic. It's not authentic and, at all. Exactly. And then he gave like the equivalent of a like corporate runaround answer. Exactly. Um, like the the a lot of words but no actual meaning. So and it, don't be wrong, I understand why they have to do that, but it's just I agree with you. It's like just let them go and then edit it down. But maybe they just don't want to spend that much time on this. I don't I don't know. Yeah. I think I think it's very fair and valid feedback to give. Um if you look at the conversation between Christina uh, Claudia Gray, Daniel Jose Alder, and Jennifer Heddle. Exactly. It's very natural, and, and the reactions are very earnest and and honest and, um, you know, in the moment. And I feel like as a fan, I enjoy it a lot more because of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I understand, like, the need to screen questions, absolutely. 100%. Um, you know, no disagreements there. And I thought it was really cool that punk, and, like, punk culture and Vikings helped inspire the Nile design. Like, super cool. But it definitely would f- feel just more enjoyable to see someone in the moment speaking off the cuff about it. Like, yeah. I mean, I don't need it to be a cleaned up answer because, like, you're a Star Wars, you're just a normal person and you're working on Star Wars. I'm already thinking you're pretty cool. I'd rather see, like, an in the moment reaction. And if someone, you know, if some uh, producer or someone isn't happy with it, then give them another question or do another take. Um, so I think it's really, really good feedback um, and something that they could definitely change. Yeah, or give them bullet points to hit and say, like, as long as your answer hits this, like, go talk about it passionately. Because that's the thing is, like, these people are working on Star Wars. I want to see how excited they are to be working on Star Wars. You know, like, if they're reading, they're not showing their their passion for what they're working on. And as a creative, that's really, you know, what I want to see, you know. Cause like if that was me, I'd be losing my damn mind. I'd be losing yeah. <laughs> my dang mind. So yeah. Um, I, Speak- oh. I was gonna I was gonna go to a different topic, JJ. So I was just gonna uh, say on on the topic of like excitement, like look yeah. at Daniel Jose Elder talking exactly. about buckets of blood. <laughs> That's exactly oh my- yes. exactly what I was gonna bring up next because go ahead, Connor, please. As we as I was watching it, I was thinking about how like you know. I don't know if you guys know this, but we also interviewed uh, Daniel Jose Older. Uh, um, I dare I say, friend of the show, even though he, he's not. But either I like him a lot, is what I'm getting at. But like, I felt bad because he, <laughs> when we interviewed him, we talked about like, so he brought up buckets of blood when they first announced the High Republic, and every single interview he's done since, somebody has asked him about it. We asked him about it. Christina Ariel asked him about it on this episode, and I was like, he's got to be sick of that question. But you then had I went, to know that was yeah, exa- okay, exactly. <laughs> I was like, I was like, you're not allowed to name a character bucket of buckets of blood and then be surprised that everyone wants to ask you about it. Absolutely. And he, and what I love is he genuinely enjoys talking. Like every time he talks about it, you can see he's like, I love that I was able to bring this like legendary real person who is a real person that themselves has like kind of reached a level of near myth. I, like you could tell how happy he is he's been able to bring that person into Star Wars. Um, mm-hmm. So I like he is a perfect example of like, look, you can get the points across and still be very like passionate, and energetic. Like I could watch Daniel Jose Elder interview about almost anything, like because he's just so into everything he does. Um, I I really liked when Jennifer Heddle was talking about like the process of them all working together and was was like, yeah, it was so cool seeing all the uh writers like 
putting ideas up on the board and then Daniel's scribbling dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. If there are not gladiator dinosaurs at some point, I'm going to riot. Like that's just what what's going to happen. Um, brilliant. And also just seeing a writer's room. Like I, this might just be from a, a year of living in what we're living in, but like just seeing a bunch of creatives in a room, bouncing ideas off of each other and enjoying each other's, you know, creative energy and company. Holy goodness gracious. I, I would, oh my, what I do, what I do to be a fly on the wall in that room, whenever the heck that was. Uh, my, and I love that they just put previously recorded in the corner to show everyone that like they weren't being ridiculous um, and irresponsible. Um, but yeah, that warmed my heart and just the stories about it. You could tell that they all love working together. It's it's really, really wholesome. Christina gave me another reason to love her because she made me feel seen in this episode when she was asking Daniel Jose Older about Star Wars uh, High Republic Adventures. And I was going to write something about this and I've only told Jim and Connor and they laughed at me. But I'm starting to feel like I might not be so far off the mark here. When she brought up Zine and Lula and their connection. Yes. I thought after reading the first episode that this could be because Palpatine said in uh, Rise of Skywalker that there hasn't been a force dyad in generations. I feel like this could be a force dyad between these two. I've thought it since I read the first episode. And now after listening to Christina Talk about the parallels between these characters and how she has lots of questions. I feel like I'm not the only one. I feel like I'm not crazy. I think it's possible. Not at all. I'm 100% with you. And I would love for you to write that because I want to read it. Um, and I certainly don't want to write it. So go for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, you take that and I'll enjoy it. Um, no, I think you're absolutely right. And they make it very obvious in the art like twice splitting their faces down the middle to like make a complete face. You don't do that by accident. You do that with a lot of intention. Uh, this is also someone who enjoys the Darth Jar Jar theory talking. So take that with a grain of salt, but I, I see it. I absolutely see it. Yes. <laughs> you, you looked like you were going to say something, Connor. So I, I wanted to, before I, I moved on to the next thing. I was trying to think of a Jar Jar joke. I didn't have one. Okay. Um, we <laughs> Stumped. We have to move on to comics, but really quick, I just want to call out how nice to see it is that there was an animated short about two LGBT characters, uh, and there's also a, um, on StarWars.com, uh, a sample chapter, and they also highlighted the character at the end of the show, Silvestri Yarrow, who's another LGBT character. And I think it's just super cool to see progress happening and be a fan. And like, there's still a lot of work to do and there's, mm -hmm. you know, obviously it's far from perfect, but we're getting there and it's really nice to see. And I just wanted to call that out really quick as something that made me happy to see. Yeah, I agree. And I, as someone who recently posted something about how I don't think a single Star Wars character is straight. I think they're all in that community and all somewhere on that spectrum. And you can't prove me wrong because we can't ask them because they're not real people. Um, as someone who just did that, got a little attention for it. Um, yeah, I love to see actually confirmed canon members of the LGBTQIA plus community in Star Wars, because I think everyone, like, how do we know, I can't get into this, but I was like, how do we know that they view sexuality with the labels that we do? We don't, 
So let's just assume they're all somewhere in there, but it's really nice to see it confirmed and have actual representation and not just projected or inferred representation. Um, really important. I'd love to see it on screen somewhere um, in either, you know, the shows or the, the movies, just because they have a wider reach, not because like this is insignificant. It's very significant. It's just that the reach is obviously wider with those big commercial movements behind them. Right. But yeah, very important. Yeah, as as JJ said, I clearly there's a lot of a lot to go, and I think I yeah. think the next big step is like, all right, cool. Now let's have two characters of the same sex make out during a Star Wars movie. Like that's what we need next. Um, and I hope it's Doctor Aphra Magna Tolvan, but that's a different conversation for a different day that we've had many times. Um, but uh, no, I think they're tr- like they're trying. You know, yeah. I I really do think they they are making like strides to to make each book more have more representation and more diverse, um, and and you know they're going they're it feels like they're they're not just being like look one gay character okay that's it let's move on you know like there is every type of representation they just announced on the Instagram that Sarah and Tarek are. Uh, they announced them as non-binary, I believe. Yep. Which and and trans. I, and, I don't know if they specified if both of them identified as as trans or not, but I believe they said they're both non-binary. So, which so is they're really cool. so that's branching out even further into representation. And then mm-hmm. you have uh, Leox, uh, Space Matthew McConaughey, who is completely and utterly asexual. Like says, like I am not interested in that whatsoever. So I think it, they are like being as representative as they can i think they're trying like i'm admitting like yes i understand there's still a lot to go but they i think they are putting legitimate effort into it and and that's nice representation is important and and anyone who's like they're forcing an agenda on me like go away like you suck (laughs) like i i just pause for a second to not swear but like you're the worst people in the world we don't want you in star wars anyway um so it's 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 nice i'm glad they're doing it yeah. All right. Uh, we got to get to comics, and we talked our heads off here, so we got to do it fairly quick. I think we can get get about ten minutes in here. <laughs> Star Wars: The High Republic, number four. Nicole, you just read all four of these in like the same day, right? Yep. They haven't sunk in yet, but they're they're top of brain. I would love to hear uh, your take on on the series and this issue. I really like where it's going. Seeing, um, is it skier or see? I have mild dyslexia. Skier. Thank you. Uh, You really got to lean into the S's there. Skier's whole situation is so interesting to me. This whole vibe of like, the dark side kind of is starting to have a hold on him and why that is. And like kind of is in alignment with PTSD, which is interesting um, and question mildly questionable because just what, what are we, what it, it, it can be, it could go wrong very quickly, but I like the, the inference of it, the like kind of exploration of, of this creeping of the dark side into his psyche after this very traumatic event happens. Um, it's interesting how well it will be handled. Still a question mark because like we're only four issues in and his arc isn't complete. Um, 
but I like that story. I like where they're going with it. Um, names, like I said, names have not sunk in yet because I just read it. But the um, the Padawan that not Padawan anymore that we're following through the series, Keeve. Love love this person. Love this character. Want to see more of that? Uh, uh, are is are they a she? Um, which character? Keeve. Keeve. I believe so. Right. Like I think so. Um, again. This has not sunk in. This is very like top of mind. I like to read things a few times before I like speak on them a lot, but um, this just sunk in. It's starting to sink in. Um, I love her story. I, I think she's a great protagonist and person to follow and her relationship with her former master is so interesting. And seeing a very new Jedi Knight not know what the heck they're doing is so cool to me because I feel like we could have seen that with Obi-Wan and we didn't after uh, because there's a 10 year jump you know um and we kind of see it with anakin a little bit in revenge of the Sith. i just like watching jedi knights who don't know what the hell they're doing it makes me very happy for no type of reason um and yeah i've talked about how much these plants scare the heck out of me um yeah those are my first thoughts well and in this newest issue specifically you get uh with the uh the the plant arm, which yes. just rules, um, <laughs> was very, very cool. Um, but I think the the big oh moment. Well, actually, I do want to point out, aside from the big oh moment that I want to talk about, uh, really cool to see uh, Vernestra Rowe and Imri in this issue, and those are two characters from A Test of Courage. Um, they popped up when the they were doing the uh, the autopsy on the hut body. So very cool to see those characters from a different book pop up in the comics. Um, but uh, I think the coolest part of this book is a, a spoiler alert at the end. You know, I think I'm not the only one who assumed like, oh, no, it's a Nile invasion. This is terrible. And then, nope, it's the Hut cartel. And they've got two Gamorians riding rancors. I mean, Fly. so rad. <laughs> If you don't like the end, this comic book, if this panel can't can't get you out of, I, I don't know, you're you're hopeless. Like, oh yeah, I felt something. I'll tell you that right now. I, I was, was like, like, it's what? gonna be the Nile. It's gonna be the Nile. Nope, it's Gamorreans riding rancors in a hut on a hovercraft with a necklace of skulls and what looks like a cybernetic arm and like a Mad Max type outfit. I was like. Man, this is so freaking cool. I've so. never seen an attack <laughs> hut. Like, I've never seen a war hut before. So this is very exciting to me. I might have missed something, maybe. But I feel like this is the first time I've seen a hut go to battle. And I'm like, okay, I, I live for this. Especially after seeing a hut get absolutely decimated by, like, roots and, like, other nonsense. Then seeing one be like, I'm going to kill everyone. Get ready. It's It was really, that was really cool. Well, in, in something that we saw in this issue right before that awesome, awesome reveal, and it's partly what I enjoy so much about the High Republic right now, is you see the Jedi, um, they confront Cal. And Cal is this, I don't know what species he is, but he is basically this, like, mobster who has been intimidating the people of this planet and and forcing them into doing things his way and if he if they don't he like physically beats them mm -hmm. um and there's this moment of confrontation where the jedi come in and are just like look you, you're gonna knock this off or we're gonna 
I don't think they threaten to kill him, but they're just like, this is over with. Not stop doing this. Um, but what what that shows is something that I enjoyed so much in Lie of the Jedi, which is just the Jedi being like unequivocally good and being forces mm-hmm. for good and doing the right thing and helping people. And that to me is is what has made so much of the High Republic so enjoyable is like this return of like almost wholesomeness to the Jedi where it's just like you are genuinely relieved when they show up because you know they're going to do the right thing. They they are reminiscent of like like DC Superman where it's just like they're they're always going to make the right call and do the right thing. Um, for the most part. And now, granted, like, that's not to say that we're perfect. Obviously, we see, like, Skier is struggling to to get past the events of the, the first battle with the Nile. Um, but it, I don't know. There's just something about how just wholesome the Jedi are in the High Republic in general, but how it showed here that I love so much about this, this series. Uh, yeah, and seeing Skier be like, I'm going to let this, like, dark entity in so I can trick it and learn its weaknesses. It's like, damn, dude, that's like pretty hardcore. Like, <laughs> not the best the plan. Ridiculous. Uh, yeah, he's he definitely has one of the most interesting uh, stories going on right now in, in the book. But the the drink gear pulling like an alien slash the thing type deal with like the hot corpse and using it to like sneak aboard basically, and then like the <laughs> Very just like upsetting. gross. <laughs> Yeah, gross sound effect as it bursts out. And if I read uh, the Drengear through Skier, like telling them their story, if I read it correctly, that's like the Mama Drengear. That's like the the head honcho that's on board Starlight Beacon. That's how I read it. Yeah. Uh, anyways, seems to be so. Seems to be I, so. I don't know, but we can't talk about the High Republic comic without uh, giving. Another emphatic shouts out to Ario and Anandito. Once again, just absolutely gorgeous. Every page yeah. is so good. There's the I showed it to you when, before we started recording, but the splash page of 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 Drengear Skier, Drenskier, Drenskier, if you will, yeah, yeah. Um, it shows him like basically has his his compatriots imprisoned, and it's a double page splash, and it is. So good. Like, I'm going to riot if they pull him off this book. He is as close to perfect as you can get. Every Everything about this book is so well illustrated and is so well brought to life because of the art team behind it. And and also, just to, to be clear, it's not just uh, Ario and Indito this time around. You also have Mark Morales, who is inking it, and uh, Annalisa Leone, who is coloring it. And they just all come together for... The perfect marriage of a of a really good script from Kevin Scott and like just in an incredible art team who brings it all to life and it's just I cannot stress enough how good these pages are from a just not even necessarily from a Star Wars standpoint just from a comic standpoint they're so good and they're so crisp and so well laid out I love it I agree with all of that same uh, same. So speaking of comics, we're going to move to another one now. Star Wars The High Republic Adventures number three. Uh, So issue number two had two artists on it, and it wasn't clear why that was. I'm guessing they just ran out of time because it wasn't like they were using it to show flashbacks or something. It's just some pages had 
one artist and the other had Harvey Tollibau, who's the, the primary artist. And there was no reason that I could decipher why that was from like a storytelling place. Uh, this is just back to Harvey whose artwork I love. And I just, I, I'm not going to dump on somebody. Um, I just did not care for the other artists style at all. And it did, I don't feel like it helped the story. So it was a big relief to see just Harvey back on the book. And this is another comic that, I love the artwork and the colors. It's very, I've said it before, like Studio Ghibli-esque. Like it has that like kind of manga inspired feel to it, uh, especially uh, the colors. I forget who does them. I believe it's Rebecca. Um, Connor, Rebecca, do you have that? Rebecca Nalty. Thank you. Uh, and there's just so many funny panels in this one. Um, yeah, I and Mark Yanro's, uh the mask, did you guys notice the eye on his mask was, like, moving and changing designs as he was talking and interacting with people? I did not notice that. Is this issue three? Yes. I haven't read issue three yet. Ah, my apologies. It's okay. Uh, well, my apologies. I didn't come prepared, my friends. No, no, that's okay. I mean, I'd still love, as, as someone that's uh, new to the comic, I'd still love to hear what you think of it. Yeah, I agree with uh, everything you've said, so I'm not going to repeat it. <laughs> um, but I like it. I like I like the characters. I like seeing Yoda with the Padawans more than just for five seconds. Um, I like seeing young, you know, spry Yoda being able to do some stuff. Uh, buckets of blood. What can I say? Except, heck yes. Um, yeah, there's a lot to love about this story. And just this idea of a culture kind of demonizing the Jedi and force users. Like that was more an issue one, but this idea of like the force is a bad thing that kind of was creeping into issue one that, that, you know, splits this friendship apart in the beginning. Um, and is very upsetting and Yoda's line about, you know, we can only save people who want to be saved. Um, it would kind of hurt a little bit and I could kind of feel that from him. Um, it's a side of Yoda that I haven't seen before. Uh, and also just Padawans away from their masters. That's kind of fun. Like, I don't know if these kids have masters yet, um, but like, I know it was described as kind of a gap year. So I would assume that they, they do. I don't know. Uh, but I, I like what I'm seeing so far and I'm definitely going to keep reading the series. Well, a little teaser for the third issue for the for you then. Um, if I had to describe the third issue in one word, I would say cute. It is. <laughs> it is not at all the bad thing. This is this is the first issue that actually because for those who don't know, the Star Wars Adventures line is typically the uh, children's comic line, which again, not at all a bad thing. Right. Um, but the first two issues did not feel like that at all. It's like, no, these are just normal comics that we're throwing the adventures label on. This one felt a little, just a slightly more like a kid's book, but I loved it. It like, like I said, legitimately just so many parts of it. I'm like, oh, that's cute. Uh, like there's a page of like where, where one of the Jedi says like, we can't let Zine leave, like ask all of her friends. And it shows all the Jedi being goofy. And I'm like, that's so wholesome, and lovely. Um, but then it has, like, a Game of Thrones level of betrayal at one point. Um, so it dude is heartless, man. Yeah! He is a ruthless that little guy. That was brutal. I, I, uh, I read that, uh, Young Cricks, I read that, and I was like, that was 
very hardcore. <laughs> like, he just knowingly was like, it was his, kill him. Like, wow. Yeah, I got um, vibes from Crix. I'm not going to lie. I was like, well, what's, what's up with this dude? Like, I feel like he's bad news in the making. And it's so sad when you see that in a little kid in a book or in a movie. You're like, oh, they're tr- why are they trouble? Someone help. And then Just no one does. Just a budding little sociopath. Yeah. Listen, yeah. Crix is, Crix is going to be a problem. Uh, <laughs> the boy um, is going to have some issues. Yeah. My, did you did you see the panel with Quart, Connor? My my favorite character that Daniel Jose Older neither confirmed or denied is inspired by Darth Crate. Uh, when he had like the X's on his eyes and the little broken yes! heart above his yes! head, thought that was adorable. This one, it yes. was the again so cute. Like I loved it so much, and that's where I got like that that like um that like uh, Japanese influence there for sure. Is like that feels like like anime or or, or manga, and I loved it. Like it. I, that's like I said. I, I keep going back to it, but just like so much of this book, of this issue specifically, it's just wholesome and friendly and and just the best. And then there's moments of like incredible manipulation and emotional violence thrown in between those lovely moments. Yeah, <laughs> with the, the the creatures in the in the arena and stuff. What are they called, Baragnas or something like that? Sure, that sounds right. <laughs> oh, uh, sorry. Bulgarants is what Thank they're called. You. But yeah, uh, both the High Republic comics are just killing it across the board right now. I absolutely love uh, both stories, the art, the writing. It's just, they're hitting it out of the park right now. And it's it's really fun uh, to be a Star Wars fan right now, especially if you're interested in the High Republic. Yes, cannot recommend it enough. High Republic is a great, great, great jumping on point. Um, you want to see Jedi doing things that you've just imagined they could possibly do. They're going to do it in the High Republic. Everyone should read it. I love it. All right. Uh, we have run out of time. Nicole, as always, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. It's always a delight having you. Hey, it's Bless always he. a delight to be here, friends. Thank you so much for having me again. Again. <laughs> um, do you want to tell folks where they can find you or anything that you're working on? Sure. Uh, yeah, you can find me at Gabin Ghoul on a lot of places, Instagram and uh, TikTok. And on uh, Twitter, it's Nicole the Ghoul with underscores, Nicole underscore the underscore ghoul. Um, and that's pretty much where I'm hanging out these days. All right. Uh, so that's going to do it. We're going to get out of here. Uh, before we do a couple quick reminders for you, um, we have a Star Wars book club. Nicole is a member. Connor is a member. I'm a member. A bunch of other people are members. It's awesome. We are reading Shadows of the Empire, a Legends book, a very famous Legends book. Uh, we're going to be discussing it on April 23rd. So there's still time for you to come hang out with us and discuss that. Uh, to do so, you just need to sign up for a Patreon. It's only $2. You get access to our book club as well as our Discord community where you can talk about Star Wars with a lot of other great fans. Uh, you can find us all on AIPTcomics.com for more Star Wars and all sorts of pop culture nerdy stuff as well as details about our Patreon. You can find us on Twitter at Talking Tauntauns for Star Wars content every day of the week. If you want to shoot us a feedback, a question about Star Wars that you that you have uh, that you'd like to be read on the show, please, we love hearing from our listeners. Uh, you can do so uh, 
through Twitter at Talking Tauntauns or via email, talkingtauntauns at aiptcomics.com. And uh, my last request for you, our loyal listeners, is if you enjoy the show, the best thing you can do to help support is to share it with your friends uh, and leave us a five-star review on iTunes. So that's going to do it. We're going to get out of here. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye, Yukio. Bye. Bye.